really just invite the Lord's conversation uh, into homes that are online with us, into this room, as we just listen and pay attention to what he's desiring to say. So why don't you take your seat? And I want to talk about the divine reset of the church. We're stepping into a new season. We, we drifted away over the course of time from trying to pronounce a series. And, you know, we're going to do this many weeks of a creative approach to a series. And um, then I'm kind of feeling the pressure to be clever. And I really um, don't want to feel that kind of pressure to be clever. And so, rather, what we're trying to do is just discern this, this season rather than to produce a series. And the season that we've stepped into is a season where we open the gates so that the King of Glory may come in. So, in this whole emphasis of, of what God's doing in the body of Christ, we've had this unusual opportunity to kind of go in many different directions uh, with a number of different leaders and churches. It's been tremendous. And I'm so appreciative of that opportunity uh, as we walk that out and sort that out. Uh, A.T. and I are both working with um, a group in the U.K. Thank you, sir. Um, a group in the U.K., Pastor Steve Upple's movement, really, uh, that's just exploding, expanding, and many churches in many directions making connections in that regard. And we're, we're helping to work with uh, A.T., working with the All Nations College more so, and then uh, me with the All Nations um, exec team, just consulting element to figure out God's repurposing something in the body of Christ in, the, in this next season. Here's the danger in what I'm going to begin to talk to you about today. I've not spoken about this to this degree in an open forum uh, before today, and here's the danger. People are going to get really excited when they start to hear and sense what it is that I'm saying. And I, I just want to say this without any question at all. There's a holy disgruntlement that has come from God within the church of our generation. There are a lot of things the church has gotten right. Would you agree with that? A lot of things the church has done really well. But there's some things the church has gotten wrong. And they're so fundamental and they're so foundational that the body of Christ has deviated in some of the most basic foundational ways. And I just feel so much the presence of God right now as I'm just sharing this with you because I believe this is something so near and dear to the heart of God. And as we step into this, the danger is going to be the desire to run with what God is choosing to reveal. And I want to just ask if you'll please prepare yourself right now to be patient. <laughs> We want to walk forward in all that God has in store. How many of you know the kingdom of God is like a small, slow seed? Do you realize that? It's like a small, slow seed. There's a lot of preparation. There's a lot of revelation, a lot of understanding. And then it begins to grow and, and cultivate and a harvest begins to come. And I believe the Lord today really wants to lay some groundwork for some of that uh, for us to understand. So I'm going to give you a couple of ideas. There's just so much revelation in me right now for the morning. Uh, I'm going to deviate from your notes. So you can go to the Destiny OKC app and get the, the blog and get the notes or the live notes are up and going and available and just kind of bear with me because I'll deviate a little bit in and out of that as I'm just sensing something uh, a little bit more aggressive 
in regard to the topic that we're talking about than I really was prepared to bring. But I just want to be sensitive to the Lord. It's the very thing we're singing about, open the gates. And so I just want to be sensitive to what he's desiring to do, truly allowing Jesus to be the pastor for the moment, the teacher for the moment, um, the worship leader for the moment. We just want to follow his lead in all of these things. We're not looking for a better way of doing church. We're searching for a more authentic way of being church. It's not about a new model. (laughs) Oh, now we've got it. There's a new model. It's going to be this movement. It's going to be that movement. And I just want you to know, moving from one broken model to another broken model is not going to help us more effectively fulfill the mission and assignment that comes out of eternity that we carry in our hearts. So a model will never be the answer. Let's just be very clear. Jesus is the answer. He is the answer. He's the answer for every moment where there's ever a need or a situation. He's the one who brings the answer in that moment. So learning the lordship of Christ. There's not even a word for leadership in the Hebrew language. You understand, like we've, we've got this kingdom built in the church world around this phenomenal leadership capacity and principles of leadership and books written on leadership. And I want you to understand there's no such word, and, and the Jews would believe if there's no word in their language for a particular uh, word that, that, that others would use, then they believe there's no idea to substantiate that particular word. In other words, it's man fabricated and not God ordained. And I believe that that is true. Let me explain where I'm going with this because leadership is ambiguously defined by many people. There are a lot of great leaders in the world and they define it all in many different ways. And the bottom line, what we have to understand, leadership is merely a deferring to the ultimate leader or the Lord Jesus Christ in a moment of time. So leadership is really not about me becoming a great leader so that I can be a master teacher. It's about me becoming a great follower so that maybe I could become an advanced learner, helping other people learn from the Lord Jesus Christ. Gideon said, I won't be your king because you don't need an earthly king. You need the king of kings. You need God as your king. We see that throughout scripture. It was never God's plan to have a high profile Saul leading the charge. And here we live in the Western world church where we've allowed church leaders to act almost like pop stars and we've embraced such ideology that takes us down a pathway that resembles everything the world wants us to to begin to comprehend and understand. And the church is being transformed and conformed more to the image of the world than the world is being transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus because the church hasn't been conformed and transformed to the image of Jesus. And I say, enough. So Lord, I pray that you would just help me to be available to the conversation you're desiring to have. Deliver all of us, I pray, from allowing our frustrations in any way to create an ax we begin to grind. God is love. And we are on a mission. And that mission is to know you and to make you known, period. Thank you for the life of Christ, even in these moments we have together, exploring more of what you have in mind. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So it's been this interesting year, 
uh, of COVID, everything stopped, everything somewhat shut down, everybody began to rethink, like this is worldwide reset that took place, titled today is Divine Reset, and I believe God wants to take the scenario of COVID and use it to redefine some things for us to comprehend and understand in the body of Christ in the next season. I'm not mad at the previous generation church. I thank God for the previous generation church. I thank God for the foundation upon which we stand today. I just don't want to keep dwelling where we were. I want to be hearing where, we are to, where we're supposed to be going as we're discerning the ways of God in this next season ahead. So we're not going to grow sour and, and introvert and angry at Christians or churches that don't follow the you know, ideas that we're sensing, seeing. That, that's, just, that's what created denominational division in the first place. Am I doing okay? Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's not part of the Lord's plan at all. He desires for us to be unified together as the body of Christ with Jesus as the centerpiece. And, and what we say often in this church, and I just want to reiterate it as often as I think to reiterate it, you and I can have distinction without having to have division. That means not everybody has to believe all the same stuff to serve the Lord Jesus Christ together as one family. How many of you know? There's some people in this room, you can lose your salvation. Other people in this room, you can't lose your salvation. You know what? It's okay. Like, you don't have to all agree on the same things when it comes to secondary. Not everybody agrees on the same ideologies and philosophies and theologies of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. That's okay. We're not going to try and make a, a club where everybody has to have uniformity in all of our beliefs. But let me just tell you what the non-negotiable is. His name is Jesus. He's at the center. His life gives us life. There is only one way to God, and it is through the cross of Jesus Christ. And you and I will never never ever abandon that reality and from there then we start to cultivate a greater understanding and true revelation of theology beyond those moments having the ability to have distinction without having to have division I'm speaking to the body of Christ today who does not know uh, how the church I'm talking about us the church does not know how to have distinction without having to have division and create all these divisive walls because not everybody believes exactly the same thing and God wants to take us into a deeper place. There's a divine reset, moving the church from a passion to get back to normal, which is what most of us have been thinking. And he's trying to move us from a passion to get back to normal to a deeper passion that takes us back to basics in the body of Christ. This is about going back to our roots, back to the origin of the church, you do realize the church began as a Jesus movement. That was the origin of the church. The Jesus movement was launched. Jesus came, he was a rabbi that a few people followed. Suddenly there just began to be fire and this movement of Christ after he was uh, crucified before their eyes, died, buried in a tomb, risen from the grave. Suddenly then he's showing up to masses of people and then all of a sudden the fire of God begins to break out and a Jesus movement is launched in the earth. People that were part of the Jesus movement following Jesus, they weren't just trying to get to a church service routinely so that they could be good Christians. They were the Jesus movement in the earth. They carried such grace and strength and power that entire civilizations began to be transformed one pocket group of people at a time because they were having such a profound impact on everybody within their reach. It's all about Jesus. And as the New Testament church was born, Christians then began to be perceived as enemies of the state. Meetings were actually dangerous and meetings and gatherings 
were difficult to, to rally together in those moments in time. And, and ultimately, uh, the first 300 years of Christianity, there was crazy amounts of persecution, burned at the stake, Nero putting his fingers in his ears because these people that were part of a Jesus movement would be burned at the stake and sing worship songs to God while they're burning to death. Do you understand God's grace was so powerful in that moment in time that they entered into a deeper place of worship with a reality born from eternity more so than what was taking place in the temporal world and that's where you and I are supposed to dwell and that's where you and I are supposed to live. And in January of 313, Emperor Constantine became a Christian and suddenly everything shifted and changed. It was no longer illegal to be a Christian. And when Christianity was legalized, Christianity then became organized and ultimately became institutionalized. And here we are 2,000 years later, still suffering an identity crisis as the church trying to figure out who we truly are. Say the word church in the world that you and I live and very few people would ever think movement. And I just want to say it loud and clear. Our purpose is greater than pulling off a great Sunday. God wants to bring the new wine into the next season of the church. And what does the Bible say happens when the new wine is poured into the old wineskin? The old wineskin will burst. Therefore, there must be a new wineskin to contain and steward well the new wine of what God is doing in the Jesus movement in the earth in this next season of the body of Christ. Is anybody sensing something of the Spirit of God just while I'm talking to you? Like there's something deep that begins to resonate and we sense, you know what? God is starting to have a conversation. We're stepping into a very significant, significant strategic season of time. We're sensing so much God is doing in the season of the church. And I'm going to ask you just to mark down and please prioritize uh, March the 6th on a Saturday. That will be our Fuel the Fire event. Uh, we're going to meet from 9 in the morning until noon, and we'll be in this room. We're going to give you a, a video assignment to watch before you show up to the event that morning, and there's a reason why we want to do that. We're going to try and communicate a little more about what decentralization is, not deconstruction, because how many of you want to be like Jesus? Can I just say, I want you to raise your hand if you truly want to be like Jesus. I really want to be like Jesus. Let me just tell you, this is what I know about Jesus. Jesus loves the church. We love the church. We're in no way ever going to advocate that we do anything but love the church. 
Because Jesus loves the church. If you want to be like him, you've got to love the church. But that doesn't mean that we accept everything that has happened in terms of the structural order and, and, and existence of the church as if all of it is God-made because some of it is man-made. And so I believe the Lord's just bringing a shift. And there's been some real revelation God's given us within our own sense of that pursuit. And, and now, of course, working with other leaders and other movements and, and, and discerning and hearing. We're having all these meetings online together, just hearing what is the Holy Spirit wanting to say. And I'm learning this. We hear God better together. You and I are born for community. We're born for connection. If you are an isolated Christian that slips in, gets your worship on, and slips out, and you never make any type of family connection in this house, then I want to challenge you to disrupt that at all, because you will, before too long, say, well, church just doesn't feel like family. And it's because you didn't give yourself to any family relationships. And it's a part of the body of Christ for you to explore the community nature of God. You and I are created in the image of Trinity God, community God. We need community in our lives to find that place of true fulfillment and enrichment so that we can become everything God's called us to become. You'll never be everything God's called you to be when you live your life isolated and alone. Maybe there should have been a Bible verse that said, it is not good for man to be alone. So I encourage you, mark that down. The first Saturday uh, of March, where we're going to start to explore this in a really more intense level, kind of unveiling some things that we're sensing are on the horizon for us as a church family. And we want you to hear that, see that, know that, pray into that. And we want to just be, be just faithful with what God's desiring to reveal as we walk it out. I believe God wants to do something in our lives that will actually cause a generation of people that have yet to be born to take note of the power of God. Do you believe God might want to do something in our lives that would make an unborn generation rise up and praise the Lord their God? The Bible says it this way, Psalms 102, 18, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. You know what? The next generation doesn't need, they don't need the, the most amazing, polished, institutionalized church gathering service to capture their attention. Because what it takes to get people to show up is what it takes to keep people showing up. And I don't want to get locked in to some man-made effort that is trying to be clever and keep a, a spiral momentum up and I just want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with some sons and daughters of God that want to press in and go deeper to the true eternal purposes of God Almighty. How about you? That's who God's called us to be. Jesus didn't die so we could go to church. Now, let's be clear. I'm a pastor and here we are as a church, we're gathering as the church. Jesus didn't die, so you could merely go to church. And the Bible clearly says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So there's something about the assembling that's actually a priority in the heart of God, so it needs to be a priority in our hearts as well. But the focal point of it and the way we viewed that and looked at that is going to have to shift for us to really get what God's desiring to reveal. So this is not just like some easy thing I can just get up and explain to you. It's going to take a process of time of all of us understanding and comprehending. Because how I many you know you know in part and you prophesy in part? And our problem in the body of Christ is we know in part and we start planning and prophesying in full. And we're just not going to do that. 
We do not want to give birth to Ishmael's in the journey uh, of pursuing and exploring what God's desiring to reveal as we walk it out. And we'll make some mistakes on the journey, but, but God's going to continue to grant us wisdom as we walk it out together as a family. We were born to be a gateway for the king as a way of life. We were born to be a gateway for the king as a way of life. And thirdly, we were born to be a gateway for the king as a way of life. I mean, that's, that's, that's your purpose, that's your function, that's your assignment. Our surrendered time, talent, and treasure become a point of entry for God's kingdom to invade the earth, and we need to see it that way as an expression of worship. God wants to rescue others, perhaps like he rescued you and rescued me. Aren't you glad for the rescuing grace of God Almighty? Jesus didn't save you just so that he could rescue you and make you free. Jesus saved you so he could rescue you and make you a freedom fighter on behalf of others that need to be free as well. That's why it's important that we come together, we serve together, we work together. It was really interesting this morning, uh, Yexi and Brooke led uh, prayer at 9 a.m. Uh, two of our interns that just stood up here and they, they were nervous about getting up in front of everybody. It's the first time they've done that in this building. And they got up and they just hit a home run because they came out of such authenticity and just said, we just want God to have his way. I sense such a sincerity out of their moment of prayer as they commissioned us to the morning to go and love people well. How many of you know that's what God is looking for? Such a sincerity and authenticity of the gifts and the treasures that we have. So I want to I just give you a, a real easy assignment today. If you're not connected and you need to know how to be connected, then I would suggest you take a connect card in the back of the seat or text the number that'll pop up on the screen uh, to Destiny and let us help you get connected. Let us help you walk this out in a way that you discover a deeper level, deeper level of community, a, a, a more intimate way to connect with your family, to serve together, that we can fulfill the assignment of God uh, on, on all of our lives together as a family. And I want to encourage you uh, in, in understanding something about the energy and the effort that you bring before the Lord. It's an expression of worship. It is an expression of worship. Everything that you do is an expression of worship as unto him. Like, it's not just getting a job done because somebody had to set these chairs up, right? It's not just people standing behind cameras and working sound system, and we, we've got to produce the show. What, what's happened is we've allowed, and I, I mean, if you'll just hear the essence of what I'm saying, there's something so deep I believe God wants to reveal, and I'm doing a horrible job getting through my sermon right now. But I just sense so strongly, we need to understand we have embraced an entertainment culture in the church in such a way that we've given ourselves to be inspired and even dazzled by public speakers in a pulpit, and we've learned from them without ever learning. We're supposed to be learning from God. The Bible says you don't need a man to teach you. You need the anointing in 1 John. Do you understand? I'm a man telling you this 
And so a lot of pastors don't want to preach that particular verse because how does that intersect and how do we reconcile that? I mean, that creates a problem if you don't need a man to teach you because I'm supposed to get up here and teach you. That's not true. The anointing is what teaches every single one of us. And if I'm a broken man under the anointing of the Lord, then we're going to learn more under his anointing together. If you're more broken men and women under the anointing of the Lord, then when we gather like this, there's something more significant that transacts from heaven to earth. And therefore, Therefore, we need to learn to live such consecrated lives that we are pursuing the Lord our God in a way that we're constantly under the voice of the Holy Spirit hearing what he's desiring to reveal, even in a moment. I've been blown away. Sometimes I'll preach a whole message and someone will come up to me after and they say, boy, pastor, when you said da-da-da-da-da, it really changed my life. And I'm thinking, I never said that. I'd go back and look at my notes. That wasn't anywhere in my notes. What was happening? The Holy Spirit is in this room. You're supposed to go to bed tonight acknowledging the Holy Spirit is right there in your room. You're supposed to wake up tomorrow understanding the Holy Spirit is with you. Your devotion time and getting in the Word is a recognition and an embrace. The Holy Spirit is there in that moment. It's supposed to be our way of life. I want to encourage you, let that sacrifice and surrender be an expression of worship. And I want to challenge you in, in understanding your giving. We're, we, you know, we're not passing buckets. We have giving stations in the back. You can give online. In fact, you can text give to the number that will pop up, and, and you can get information for this online. I want to make sure you, you know exactly how to walk this process out if this is something that is in your heart to explore. But I want to explain something very important about your giving, and I want you to hear it from this vantage point. It's very significant. We, the, the core reason that we give is not because we do great things in the community. We do great things in the community. For us to meet with the police chief and detectives and for them to say that we're meeting 85% of the deepest needs in our community right around our church, that's mind-boggling to me. And that is beautiful and that is wonderful and I'm so deeply grateful. You can take that screen down. Uh, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for the impact that we're making. But that's not the primary reason why we give. We don't give because we're good people who want to do good things with money in the community. Even though we are going to do good things in the community. And we'll continue to do that. In fact, when you give, you'll be blessed. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It'll come back in you. I mean, how many you know these are verses in Scripture and we, they're legitimate? I mean, you will be blessed. When you give, you can't outgive God. You've heard it, you know. The tithe, I'll, live, I'll do better on, uh, on 90 tithing to the Lord than 100 if I keep it all. I mean, you've, you've heard all those things and your life will be blessed. But that's really not the core reason why you give. Because those things can start to have motives that can create complications in your life that actually cause your relationship with the Lord to begin to have strings attached and malfunction in ways that cause the very essence of worship in your life not to be where it needs to be. The basis of all of our giving needs to be worship to the Lord. It doesn't need to be somebody pressing on you because we've got to make a budget. Listen, this is about all of us as Christians coming to a place of just saying, Jesus, your Lord, of my life, I only have the breath that I'm breathing in to express the words that I'm articulating right now because it was a treasure and a gift given to me from God. And may 
every gift and treasure that we have in our lives glorify God and dignify others and cause God's kingdom to expand. Can I just say, open the gates that this king of glory may come in. You are a point of access for Jesus to invade the earth in profound and significant ways. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift them up, ye ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in, Psalms 24, 9. This is the statement, and we need to, we're going to hear this a lot over the course of this year. Don't wait for a move of God. Be the move of God everywhere you go. You are the move of God. We're the movement. How many believe that we're the Jesus movement of our day? (laughs) We are. And I refuse to allow us just to submit to some establishment mindset when we're actually supposed to be the Jesus movement everywhere we go. So I'm just going to give you your action point uh, for the week, and then I want to explain a couple more things. Um, Your action point, you know, we bring God's presence to real life in every realm of society, on every level of community. That's just who we are. We know that we love God's presence, and we bring it to real life. So every week, we bring this God's presence to real life action point of the week. And I want to ask you, in your home, discuss with your friends, maybe uh, with your family, with maybe your friends that you want to join in this, but in your home, discuss how you can demonstrate the mission of Jesus very specifically this week. What is the mission of Jesus? How do we understand it? And how can we express it? Will you do that this week? Like, I don't make this stuff up and just kind of toss it out there because it needs some filler in the sermon time. I'm really asking you for actionables. If we're just hearers of the word and not, uh, not doers, then it's problematic in our lives. So this week, have some table conversation. Get around a meal and just have the conversation. How can we truly express the mission of Jesus this week as a group? Whatever that looks like, family, friends, whatever. And next week, uh, we're going to really break something down. I don't know if you realize it or not, but um, for the Jews, the ministry center has always been the home. For the Christians, for some reason, the ministry center has become the church. But for the Jews, the ministry center has always been the home. But for Christians, we've made the ministry center the church. And I, 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 just, I think it's very important that we understand where this comes from, why we uh, learn how to make our, our homes and our hearts the, the true ministry center as Christians, how we walk this out. Uh, Tracy and I, it is actually Valentine's Day, one week from today. And so Tracy has agreed that uh, we're going to, she's reluctantly agreed, by the way, but she has agreed we're going to sit up here next Sunday and we're going to talk about friendship, marriage, and sex right here on Sunday morning from a biblical vantage point and what God's plan is in the midst of all of that. And, and she will be armed in case uh, I've told her if I get out of line, then you can shoot me with the Nerf gun. She'll have the Nerf gun in hand. And so pray for me and pray that she will not be violent. I believe God wants to help us understand the basis of the heart and the home and and really those fundamental foundational things that God is trying to bring us back to. And it's significant. Marriage, family, friendship, relational variables that are just so important for us to understand that are born from an eternal perspective. I don't want to bring a bunch of Clever, practical, alone. I I want revelation and eternity to shape our lives. I want revelation and eternity to shape our marriage. Can can I just tell you, if your goal is to have the ultimate marriage, then that goal can actually position your marriage to be an idol in your life. 
and the pressure you put on your spouse to make your marriage perfect is a pressure that will make your marriage far from perfect. And, and what we have to do, rather than having a pursuit of these things, we really just need to have a pursuit of Jesus. And then the result of those things come when we get the pursuit of Jesus right and our eternal priorities of God postured in place. So we want to help talk about what that is. And this divine reset that we're in right now as a church, it brings a total focus to the mission, the message, and the ministry of Jesus. And so the question we all have to ask, what are the things that truly matter to the Lord? I mean, tell you, this morning has been havoc technically. Uh, Screens were blue. That screen wouldn't work. I wanted to see a slide uh, during, you know, sound check stuff. We couldn't get the slide. We had to reboot and reboot and, and like, I'm, I'm just, it was, it was a crazy morning. And I realized usually in a crazy morning like that, it's because like the Lord really wants to do something and the enemy's trying to cause all of us to be flustered. And I just thank God it's all worked beautifully, uh, you know, since we started. And, And thank you to our tech team. Can you just help me say thanks to people who worked so hard pulling their hair out and all this stuff, making it happen. They rarely get any attention until something goes wrong and then everybody feels it's their spiritual responsibility to crane their head back and look at them as if, what is wrong with that screen? But what I realize is, as important as all those things are, I don't think the Lord is like all that frustrated with those types of things because he's really focused more on the revelation that he wants us to, to, to breathe in this morning in our gathering. So, so let me break down this idea just briefly of the divine reset. And I want you to think in terms of phone. I just recently got another phone. And you know, your phone, you, you get a phone and then you start putting all your personal preferences into the phone, right? You put your, your picture, your screensaver, you got your, your sounds and your rings and your tones and you got all this stuff all set in motion and your phone's exactly like you want it. You've worked hard to make. And then your phone gets glitchy. Has this ever happened to anybody? And you're thinking, what is wrong with this phone? I'm about to go crazy. Um, and the reason I got a new phone is because Tracy actually came to me one morning. She handed me her phone and it had the wheel of death on there, you know, this going nowhere. And after about an hour of messing with it, uh, I finally got it to work and I felt the Lord Uh, giving me a real sense of direction not to ever have to spend another hour on my wife's phone again. So the Lord helped me get her another phone. And and while at it, I decided, well, you know, the Lord would have me get myself a phone as well because the Lord is just good that way. And so so we we got this whole thing, and and I'm realizing when, you know, you've got all your pictures in there, you've got different things, reminders, and so on. And and if it gets glitchy enough, they, they say this to you. We can fix the phone, but we've got to send it back to the manufacturer's settings in order to do so, and you're going to lose all your personal preferences in the process. And you're like, do you know how long it took me to set up all my personal preferences in this phone? I'm going to lose it all? Do you understand where I'm driving? The divine reset of the church is where we lose all of our personal preferences and we return to our manufacturer's settings, the creator's settings, and we become the Jesus movement once again that he wants us to become. There's a resetting taking place. 
And it's where we learn to live our lives in a way that the priorities of God become the measure of our life, understanding that one day we'll be judged for our actions according to his measure of priorities, not the way we've decided. I mean, it's really kind of a challenging question for every one of us, but are we led by God as a way of life? Or do we go where we want to go and do what we want to do, asking God to bless the life we've decided to live? Last statement I'll make to you, and I'm going to ask if Randy will make his way up. God is longing for a people whose hearts are in deep fellowship with him. Deep fellowship. So a week from Wednesday, we're going to gather in this room for worship and baptism night. Uh, Twice a year, we do a focus on water baptism. And I just want to point something out. It's really important that we understand it. And I'm going to take a moment with, with you on this. Because water baptism to us, again, we have distinction without having division, but water baptism to us is more significant than merely some symbolic expression of a deeper reality that took place in your life. It is that, but it's more significant than that. Let's don't have any question. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you are saved, and you go to heaven. living your life with him as Lord. That is the key to heaven. Some people believe you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. We don't believe that. Don't believe because there was a guy on a cross next to Jesus who hadn't been baptized in water and he gave his life to Jesus one day and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, there are other reasons too, but that's one one illustration we point to. But what we do understand is that when we come out of the bondage of the world, there's something powerful about passing through the water, going down under the water, identifying with the death and burial of Jesus, coming up out of the water, embracing the resurrection of Christ, and in an attitude of faith that releases something supernatural even over our lives. And and let me explain it this way. When the Israelites came out of the bondage of Egypt, they passed through the Red Sea. And when they passed through the Red Sea, Everything that had held them captive in previous generations, speaking generational curses, chased them into the water and perished in the water that day, and they walked free from those entanglements of that which had happened before. There are generational curses that need to be broken in some of our lives. Do you understand that? There's more going on here than just trying to go to church and be nice. There, there's a spiritual battle taking place, and we take water baptism as a declaration of warfare against the enemy, and it is a declaration of the death of the old man, and the only mourner in that funeral moment is the devil because he no longer can have a hold on your life. Some people have walked through this and not understood that, and so that's why we suggest if you've done this more token than Sign up and walk through this embracing an attitude of faith and an atmosphere of worship. The Israelites went through water a second time going into a place of greater promise. And so we believe that there's no problem for you to do this. And sometimes entire families get baptized in water. And it's a really special evening of just singing and declaring Jesus is Lord and the enemy is defeated and we are free. How many of you know Jesus is Lord, the enemy is defeated, and we are free? So what we want to do is just get back to some of these basics. And I've asked the worship team, you know, is our custom as a church family to conclude by just taking some time to worship as we conclude. And normally the worship team is all coming up. But just as an expression, 
We're going to go just a little bit old school, just as an expression to reiterate what we're talking about today. I want us just to get back to the basics of worship. And so uh, Randy's going to lead us in a song, and I'm going to ask if everybody would stand. And I want to specifically ask if the worship team that normally stands on the platform, if you'd come and just stand right in the front. You can bring spouses if you'd like or however you'd like to do that. But the worship team could just come. And I believe we're coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about him. It's all about him. And I just want to say to this team of people, in a day where the church has made what we do in worship more about an expression of entertainment, though we would never view it that way or see it that way from our standpoint, I mean, you know, it's easy to get caught up when you're standing on a platform in front of a camera and, and the lights are on. It's easy to get caught up in a mindset and a perspective putting all kinds of pressure on yourself to make sure it's perfect. And we want excellence because excellence is, is uh, an expression that glorifies God and is our king. But we don't want to put a pressure of perfection. We just want to bring our very best, that which is deep in our hearts before the Lord our God in the most basic, practical way. I want to invite everybody in this room. Will you just do that? Can we just get back to what this is really all about? Can we just step into a deeper place of worshiping the Lord together as a family just in these few moments of a song? Lord, I pray that you would do what only you can do in these moments where we understand we are the gates through which the King of glory enters into the earth through our song, through our lives, through our loving, our serving, our giving, everything that we are. Lord, we just come back to that reality and recognize we are the Jesus movement of our day. Help us to respond to what that looks like. Grant us wisdom, Lord, over these coming weeks to begin to step more into a greater revelation of what you're desiring to do and how we are to be mobilized and walk that out, truly walk that out from the heart. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we pray for this worship team, for the Destiny worship team, and we ask, Lord, that you would just do a deep work in their hearts as they lead us from the, from the front in a declaration of worship, which is a declaration of war. And we pray, Lord, for a covering and a protection over their lives, over their families, over their finances, over their marriage, over their children, over every element of, of who they are, Lord, just a protection would rest upon them as we press in to know you deeper, more intimately as a family. In Jesus' mighty name.